Good morning. I'm Pastor Linda, one of the pastors here at Cornerstone, and I add my welcome to the rest you've already heard. No matter where you are, where you, when you watch this, it's a joy to be together in community, isn't it, and worship. Today marks the last sermon in our series on Thrive. And if you missed any along the way, they're on our YouTube station and they're on our live stream on our website. What a journey it's been as we've learned about thriving in our soul and worship in the world and holiness, and that brings us to today. How to thrive in community. What I have now titled Community Overflowing. It's our focus for today, but as we head into the topic, we're gonna need some guidance from the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you on this Sunday time in worship together. It is a privilege to be able to come together and sing and pray and learn and just be together in this way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you enter into each home represented here and each person as they are here gathered in community to be with you and each other. Be present, Lord Jesus. Amen. So I'm coming to you today from the community room in the new building we've just moved into. It's a lovely space. The deck is out there with the grill. It's gonna be really fun to have you over some time. But it's not a very big room, so we can't have all of you at once. But today, you're all here together. All of you, look at the number on where, how you're watching. Look on how many people are watching on YouTube. Look at how many people are on our live stream. What a lot of people we are together. And so you know what? It's great that community is community no matter where we are. Now, if you haven't done it already, put in where you are worshiping from, how spread out our community is, and yet we are united. And while you finish that up, let me give you the official Merriam-Webster Dictionary online of community. It's a social group of any size whose members reside in a specific locality, share government, and often have a common cultural and historical heritage. I think that definition of community talks about a neighborhood, a city, a town, even a country. Now the second definition they have for community is much more about us. And that is a social, religious, occupational, or other group sharing common characteristics or interest and perceived or perceiving itself as distinct in some respect from the larger society within which it exists. That's us. A religious group sharing common characteristics of interests and beliefs perceiving itself to be distinct. And I pray that others see us as distinct also. Now what's amazing is I got to see a little peek into this type of community this past week. An experience that never would have experienced a few months ago. I was invited to share a devotion at my sister Donna's church that's just outside of Toronto, Canada. Each spring, they have a spring fling, a yearly gathering and, uh, and celebration, and it's for their seniors. This year was different. Their spring fling was over Zoom, so I was able to attend. Now, these are people aged 60 to 99. Yes, I said 99, and he was sitting on the couch beside his young little 97-year-old wife. Could you imagine? They never could have imagined having spring fling over the computer. The world they were born into, think about this, the roaring 20s, the dirty 30s, the war-filled 40s, the Cold War 50s, 
did not prepare them for the technology and how community gathers right now. Through all of their history, community has been and continues to be community, even though how it is done has changed. Well, they started off on the back porch, and then there were telegrams and letters, phone calls, evolved to emails, and now Zoom changes. The sense of community and love I witnessed by this group was inspiring and it just overflowed over the internet. Even though the years brought an unimaginable number of changes to how their communities were lived out with technology, their community has stayed true to who they are under God, living this out together, and they are a community overflowing through it all. As these people are thriving in community, so can we. Our foundational scripture today is from Psalm 133. Three short verses that speak volumes of what our community is, what it calls us to be, and its effect on us. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, as if it were the dew of Hermon with, were falling on the Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Scholars have noted that the beginning and the ending sentence form one thought, and then in between are two similes. The thought is how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life evermore. Now that is thriving, isn't it? Good, pleasant, unity, blessing, and life everlasting. I believe the two similes in the middle guide us to learn how to be that community overflowing. You see, God created us to be in community, to be in unity, didn't he? Way back in creation, recorded in Genesis, it said, God said, let us create them in our image, in the image of the Trinity, in community, in unity with each other. God said it was not right for Adam to be alone. He knew he had created him in his image to be in community. And though the relationship with God was perfect, added needed community that were humans also. Our psalmist goes on. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Now, I believe anointing in scripture is represented for two main purposes that we'll work through, though there are even more. And I've got some of my anointing oil here to show you. I got it in Israel. The first is to be anointed as a priest. Anointing with oil has been around for thousands of years. And as this verse refers to, this oil for Aaron was to anoint him as a priest, marking a priest set aside for God's service. We see this happening to Aaron in Leviticus. For us as believers in Jesus Christ, we are all anointed, all of us. And we enter into what is called the priesthood of all believers. The apostle Peter writes about it in his first epistle. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Each of you, as a believer, has been anointed 
to live out Jesus Christ. You have been anointed into the call to declare the praises of God and to live life as Jesus showed us and still teaches us today. Somehow this is appropriate. Today is Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. Set aside to remember what happened to those first disciples when the Holy Spirit came. Now, I, I want you to hear these words that are recorded about Pentecost. It was their anointing of their calling to live out Jesus Christ. I'd actually like you to just sit. Close your eyes if you wish. Palms up to receive and hear this anointing coming to you. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them, each one of you. All of them were filled. Each of you are filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is foundational to having a community overflowing, knowing you are anointed, you are filled by the Holy Spirit, and you are a child of God. Now, I was physically anointed with oil like this when I was ordained, my specific calling. And it was incredible outpouring of God into my life and the Holy Spirit into my ministry. At my last church, every couple of years, we actually anointed people for their specific callings, where they worked, at home, at school. Every person has a specific calling. Now that's different than the calling I just talked about because that is a calling that all believers in Jesus Christ have. Call out to live out Christ every moment of every day. So you're anointed to be a priest for each other. And that is to be the presence of God to each other and bring others into the presence of God. Now there's a full sermon series on those two points. So I'm just gonna to touch on them quickly. But first we are to be the presence of God for others. I love and highly recommend the book by Bonhoeffer that's called Life Together, the classic exploration of Christian community. I'll put up a picture of it at the end. Short, clear, and challenging. And he has so many teachings of how we can live this out what an important ministry we are to each other. I'm gonna share just a couple of things he says. This is not extensive in all of it, um, but I think these are some key ones as we're learning how to thrive, how to live out community overflowing in the situation we're in right now. One thing he says, we have to live the ministry of holding one's tongue. Yeah, you heard that right. The ministry of holding one's tongue. Now, sometimes in scripture, God is silent, isn't he? And that was when humans needed to share and be heard before anything else could happen and change. We live in a society right now that encourages us to voice our opinion all the time, step in, tell everyone what they have to do, and we don't listen very well. When we're with people, we make snap judgments all about them, and we're ready to jump in. Being human, our thoughts about others are sometimes well, let's just say not so holy. The ministry of holding one's tongue, Bonhoeffer says, 
it helps because often we can combat our evil thoughts effectively if we absolutely refuse to allow them to be expressed in words. Like Ephesians 4, 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be beneficial, benefit those who listen. We are the presence of God to each other when we live out the ministry of holding one's tongue. Stop the unwholesome talk coming out of our mouths. When we can patiently let the other person talk, as Bonhoeffer puts it, we begin to realize that God did not make this person as I would have made him. He did not give me a brother or sister for me to dominate and control, but in order that I might find above him the Creator. Created in God's image, not image of what we think they should be or we think our relationship to be. Closely tied to the ministry of holding our tongue is the ministry of listening. Bonhoeffer says, just as love for God begins by listening to his word, so the beginning of love for our brethren is learning to listen to them. We forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Now Jesus did this, didn't he? Think of all the times he listened to people for what they needed, what they wanted to talk about. And even when he asked the question, he listened to their answers gently. He didn't listen with what Bonhoeffer describes as half an ear. And he describes it as this. And uh, unfortunately, I see myself in this a bit, occasionally. It's an impatient, intentive listening that despises the brother or sister and is only waiting for a chance to speak out and then just get rid of this person. That is harsh. That's listening with half an ear. That's not a godly presence listening. To bring the presence of God to others as an anointed priest, we have to listen with full ears. Along with the ministry of holding our tongue, ministry of listening, one other ministry Bonhoeffer expounds here, and there's more, but this one's important to us, and that's the ministry of bearing, he calls it. It comes from the one another's of the New Testament, if you've ever heard that term. Jesus teaches, the disciples, the apostles teach in their letters, that there are one another's of how we are to treat each other. Now, most scholars have it at 56 or 59, some say 40, because they don't take repeats. Anyways, some of them are to be devoted to each other, to live in harmony with one another, share with one another, carry one another's burdens, forgive one another, love one another, confess your sins with one another, and more. Bonhoeffer has a great description of what bearing one another, the ministry of bearing, in community overflowing should be. To bear the burden of another person means involvement with the created reality of the other. To accept and affirm it, and in bearing with it, break through to the point where they take joy in it. Note what it doesn't say. It doesn't say to bear the burden of another is to fix it. A community overflowing walks with each other, journeys with each other, enters into each other's pain and joy and dwells there with each other. This is living one another, 
when a community is overflowing. So be in the presence of God with each other, with the ministry of holding our tongues, the ministry of really listening, and bearing each other's burdens. This is the first aspect of being anointed into the priesthood of all believers. Be in the presence of God with each other. Now second, we are anointed to bring others into the presence of God. And it's only when we as a community include all of the aspects we just talked about, only then can we approach being a priest, bringing others into the presence of God and enter into what Bonhoeffer says is the ministry of proclaiming. Too often that's where we start, isn't it? We jump into preaching, quoting scripture, telling people what to do, telling, saying, God told me to tell you this, without first bringing God's presence to them, and then we can bring them into God's presence. As Bonhoeffer puts it, we speak to one another on the basis of the help we both need. We admonish one another to go the way that Christ bids us to go. We warn one another against the disobedience that is our common destruction. The humble person will stick to truth and love. Truth and love. That is the ministry of proclaiming, bringing others into the presence of God. As the author of Hebrews wrote, and let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day coming. We encourage each other to keep meeting in the presence of God. We encourage each other towards love and action that comes from community overflowing. This sums up community overflowing well, drawing others into God's presence. So that's the anointing properties of oil into the priesthood of all believers, that we bring the presence of God into others and we bring others into the presence of God. But there is another property of anointing in scripture, and that is healing. And there's many, many examples of this throughout Old and New Testament. When Jesus sent out the 12 disciples in Mark chapter six, it says they drove out many demons and anointed many sick with oil and healed them. James refers to that if any are ill, you should call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And in the parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus gives us in Luke, Jesus describes the Good Samaritan as having compassion on the beaten Levite, picking him up, bandaging his wounds, and pouring on oil and wine. Healing. Another wonderful example of this is from Mark 2. As John Ortberg calls this the fellowship of the mat. I love that. It's four friends in a community that's overflowing, bringing their paralyzed friend to Jesus for healing. It's a great story, because they can't get in the door, so what do they do? They go up to the roof, tear it open, and bring their friend into Jesus' presence. And I love how John Oprah put, puts this. He says, you cannot carry someone's mat in a hurry. The requirement of true intimacy is time. Healing takes time. It takes our commitment. And that's one thing we all have is time. We have been anointed as priests to live in a community overflowing and to bring healings to others. We have the time for this. Who do you know that needs healing? 
And what can you do as an anointed priest to bring them into God's presence for that healing? What about you? What areas of life do you need healing in? Who can you reach out to in our community overflowing to bring you to Jesus for healing? We have the time. We're here. We are anointed priests, bringing the presence of God into others and bringing others into the presence of God. We bring them to the healing Jesus Christ can work in their lives. One other note from this verse is just the abundance of overflowing. Our anointing isn't just a little dab here, a little dab there. But it says our anointing to the priesthood of believers create a community of overflowing. It pours down. It pours all over us. It radiates out from us. It pours out of each one of us. It touches everyone around us. That's anointing. That's community overflowing. As it says in Psalm 23, you, God, anoint my head and my cup overflows. God, our shepherd, anoints us. Our cup overflows. This also makes it a little messy, doesn't it? However, community is messy, especially authentic ones that try to live out Jesus Christ together, being the presence of God to others and bringing others into the presence of God. Being a part of community overflowing involves being human with each other, journeying with each other, and because we are human and sin still creeps in, it gets messy sometimes. I believe the psalmist of Psalm 133 knew that, and I know God knows that. And so the psalmist brought into the next verse what, what else the community overflowing is. He says, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. See, Israel is a very parched land. And the dew of Hermon in the north would accumulate and eventually flow down and nourish and refresh the land. When we live in community overflowing, we are refreshed and we bring refreshment to others despite the messy times. And in Psalm 133, it's all about movement. You see, it's one of the Psalms of Ascent, which means the people would say these communally as they walked up to Jerusalem. Yes, Jerusalem's on the top of a hill in the middle of Israel, so their people are moving up. And in the psalm, the oil is coming down, the water is coming down, everything's moving all around them. And that's community overflowing. It moves, it changes, it surrounds us, and it sustains us. Community overflowing is moving, it's not static, it's not unchanging. God doesn't change. But how we live out community overflowing may look different from time to time. So I wrap up this in our community room in our building, bringing you back to the community I spent time with this week. The one I met over Zoom, those people who have been anointed as a priesthood of all believers, as healers, and they allowed their community overflowing to be present over the computer because of who God is. No change in technology changes who we are as brothers and sisters or how our anointing flows from us to all around us. As believers, we are not like any other community. We are the family of God. We are anointed to be the community overflowing. 
the priesthood of all believers, bringing God to each other and each other into God's presence, bringing healing. For which it shall be said, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing and even life evermore. Let us pray. Father, we are still your gathered people. We're not in the same room, but we are gathered together, anointed as your priests. Continue to give us the strength to live that out. Continue to give us wisdom and creativity of how to have our community overflow because you know that you have poured your abundance into us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.